Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of The Perspectives Podcast. Get ready to explore the complexity of life with Dr. Susan and Marco as they offer a space for open and honest dialogue where guests can share unique perspectives on all aspects of life. Join them on this journey to broaden your perspective, deepen your understanding of others, and positively impact society. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. All right, everybody. This is exciting. It's the first episode of a new show on ITSP Magazine. It's called Perspectives. And uh, for those that have been listening to our different channels, I would say Perspectives, even if we never officially called a show perspectives looking at things from different perspective is what a lot of our hosts uh, do anyway on on itsp magazine some focus more on technology some focus on cybersecurity, some focus on uh, things that are more about the mind and relationship and personal experiences because it's all part of who we are and uh, perspective is a new show that I co-host with Dr. Susan Birnstone. Here she is. Hi, Susan. Hi, I'm so excited to be here today. This is our first episode, and we have an unbelievable guest that I am so happy to have on. And happy is the operative word because it's, uh, <laughs> I'm so happy to have Ken Honda on, and he's going to talk a lot, and we're going to discuss the different perspectives of happy money. And I just will tell a quick story that happened to me today. I was actually listening to the book this morning, uh, my early morning walk, and I actually fell in love with this book. I was so excited, pleasantly surprised. I, you know, sometimes, you know, you read the title, Happy Money. Okay, to be honest, I was like a little bit, you know, doubtful. And then once I started to listen to it, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is fantastic. And I'll explain why. So I'm really excited. I get home. I live in an apartment building. I get into the elevator. I see a neighbor still listening, but he's saying, you know, hello. And then I shut the, the, the audio off for a minute and I say, yeah, hi, how are you? The regular pleasantries. And his answer is, you know, paying the bills. And I just went, oh, so I said, oh, have I got a book for you? I immediately told him the name of the book, the author, and said, you must get this book. It's going to change your life. That was it. I don't know him that well. But so, Ken, this was just so unbelievable that he was right there. I'm paying the bills, right? So um, let me introduce Ken. Why don't you introduce yourself? We know that the book is called Happy Money. Um, and why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing? This has been your life's passion. And about the Hi. book. Yes. Thank you so much, Susan and Marco. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I happen to be in the entrepreneurial world. So I happen to be uh, at the very early stage of investing, starting a business and foundation. So I feel like I'm in the right spot because wherever uh, I was, was going to be so big, you know, some of the uh, public companies and the big foundation. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm very good at being the first. So, and I think you picked the right person. <laughs> um, I started writing about happy happiness and money about 20 years ago in Japan. I was retired for four years for my baby girl. Uh, now she's 24, so it's about 24 years I retired. 
when I was in my late 20s. And uh, before then, I, was, uh, I had a consulting and investing firm. So I could retire early uh, because I learned so much about money. My father was a successful tax accountant. So he started to, uh, to teach me about money very, very young, uh, six or seven. So I could, uh, I, I could start my business when I was 21 and then I made enough money by the age 29 and started writing uh, from age 34. And it's been 20 years of my career, published more than uh, about 200 books and sold about almost 9 million copies. Can you repeat that? I just want to underscore that. How many books? <laughs> You know, uh, my original work is about 70 something, but including the paperbacks and uh, all the international editions. I think physical books are out uh, more than 200 books and sold about uh, 9 million copies. Yeah. And I, I loved, uh, maybe you can just share a little bit, your very first, I consider it a book, even though it wasn't a published book yet, how mm -hmm. you started in terms of becoming a writer. Because I think right. that's an interesting perspective. Um, <laughs> you were never really meant to be a writer, but became yes. one. And I think that that's something that you can share because I think the audience would love to hear that even though they're going to lose Though they won't read it in the book or hear it in the book, but yeah. Right. Uh, I was, uh, I think, 32 or 33 at the time. I was into three years of semi-retirement. I got stuck. I got bored, you know. I. I was very good at changing diapers in two seconds and, you know, <laughs> developed uh, enough skills for uh, babysitting. So I thought, uh, what should I do for the rest of my life? If I was 70 years old, I'm okay, but I was 30. And then I got this inspiration to write. And I thought, no kidding. You know, I had a, uh, I was an accounting and low major student uh, before, <laughs> but not about writing. But it just kept on coming. So I started writing a few pages on, uh, money and how you can do it, invest it, protect it, and that sort of thing. And I just gave it to my friends, and they loved it. So they said, can I read more? Okay. You know, I had nothing else to do. So I started writing for uh, about 26 pages. So I started stapling my uh, journal and just started giving away my friends at lunchtime. And also, you know, friends get together. They loved it, and they asked me, if it's okay to share with their family members or uh, their employees. And I said, okay, yeah, of course, definitely. Uh, no, I'll just give it for free. And I started uh, stapling it every day to 20 booklets and 30 booklets. I got really sore hands. <laughs> so my friend, my friend um, um, recommended me to hire a printer, so, which I did. And instead of uh, ordering 200, he said the minimum is 1,000. And I said, okay, 1,000. I don't know if I can, you know, if I want that many, but he said 3,000 copies, 1,000 copies, not much difference because it's just the cost of paper. So I signed a contract for 3,000 by mistake. And two <laughs> weeks later, two trucks came in front of my apartment. And then uh, there are the boxes of booklets. I didn't, the guy didn't tell me how many boxes. He said <laughs> it's going to be cheaper. So I, I, I went crazy just got rid of all of my stuff and just put all the boxes in. And I told my wife, I'm going to get rid of my boxes in six months. And then she smiled and said, three months, either boxes out or you out. <laughs> and I went crazy just giving up my booklets on happiness and money. I remember uh, some of my friends loved it. So you want 100 copies, right? Okay, I'm going to send you 100 copies. It's like a very pushing, you know. Well, this is the true, this is the true meaning, Ken, of 
self-publishing. <laughs> yes. Like you, you did the ultimate in self-publishing. Yeah, but I was uh, risking my divorce, so I had to <laughs> just send them out. And then in about two weeks, I gave all them away. And I got flooded of faxes. You know, those, those times there was a machine called fax machine. And in the morning when I wake up, there is this stack of uh, fax sheets asking for more copies. Because at, at the end of the booklets, I said, uh, if you want a copy, I'm going to send, uh, send you a copy for free because it's my passion. So another 3,000 copies I printed. Now I hire a storage unit. And then another 5,000, another 5,000, uh, everything is for free. So by the time I, I printed about 100,000 copies, a publisher called me, and then they want me to write a book. And uh, the rest is a history. Yeah. But isn't there a lesson right there that I, I haven't read the book, but I, I got the idea and I saw your website and I, I thought it was fascinating and I wanted to talk to you all about it. But even what you just did is a little bit of give for free, and then you take back something bigger than what you gave. And from what I yes. understand, it, it's mm -hmm. very much connected with some of the elements that you explain in the book. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So the, the essence of happy money is free giving, free receiving. So I wanted to do a little bit of experiment. What if I gave away, say, $100,000 worth of things? You know, would I get anything out of it? So I did this experiment, you know, I printed, uh, I, I, as a result, I printed about uh, 2.3 uh, million copies of gift booklets for free, which cost me about 2.5 to $3 million US dollars, you know, for a gift. And I, I haven't, I don't know so many people who've given away for, you know, for free $2 million. So look what happened. So uh, just even for book royalties, I got probably more than 10 or more, uh, uh, 10 million US dollars by book royalties. And uh, I've done a lot of correspondent courses. So uh, the $2.3 million I gave away for free went back more than 10 or 20 times um, in, in money. So what you give, you receive is a true universal law. You know, I've experienced it in my life. And since uh, people look at me, look at my lifestyle, look at free giving and free receiving, a lot of people imitated my stories. And then they're just uh, flourishing, uh, both financially and emotionally. So I, I truly believe in free gifting and also free uh, receiving. Life is in the flow of free receiving and free gifting. And I hope in 20 years now, from now, our whole world will be like that. That's my vision. You know, Ken, I know that some people are very skeptical of that mm -hmm. idea about, you know, you give and then you'll get more. Yeah. And, and, and I, I agree with it, but I also know working in this field in, in yes. terms of working in, with people, with their relationships with themselves, uh -huh. with, money, with people. What I loved what you talked about, maybe you can talk a, a little bit about it here, is you really go into all the different aspects Mm -hmm. of one's relationship with money. And what you do beautifully in this book is you really talk about all the different influences, but mm -hmm. it really comes down to one's own relationship with money. And, mm -hmm. and that's, and if you could talk a little bit about that as well as, and I love when you talk about the EQ and IQ. Right. And is that so? So even for people who may be listening and go, oh yeah, I'm supposed to give more, you know, give away and then I'll get back. Even if they're <laughs> skeptical about that, there's so uh -huh. 
many different things that they can start with in this book that you know you talk about. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a preacher, so I I don't expect people to believe in me, <laughs> believe in the principles. All I can say is it works, you know. And uh, uh, how come almost nine million people have bought my, my books over the past twenty years? Because it works, and uh, my podcast download is more than fifty-two million downloads in the past ten years. You know, Japan has only one hundred thirty million people, so it's like one uh, almost half the population have listened to my podcast, which means that uh, whatever I teach works. To some people, you know, and then well, yeah,、uh, and the one lot people are probably learning just from. I haven't finished it yet, but from、mm-hmm. what I've heard, it would you're really teaching people to how to learn about themselves、mm-hmm. in relation to money and to、yes. have a better relationship with money. And and I and you with the perspective that you give, especially. Thinking that was new for me. Some of、mm-hmm. the concepts I'm familiar with, but some of them was like, oh, thinking about it more <laughs> as happy versus unhappy. And I love the story、right. of the wallet too. Right. About that. But so maybe <laughs>、okay. you, you can talk a little bit about you know、okay. what, what is your what would you want to share now、um, yeah, with so, your relationship. Your relationship with money determines every aspect of your life because money touches everything. Money touches relationship, your work, your money. And also、um, your peace of mind, and and your relationship with kids, your parents, with your loved ones. So、uh, if you have a lousy relationship with money, your life will be very lousy and miserable. But if you have a beautiful、uh, friendship-like、um, uh, relationship with money, money will be right there when you when you when you want to do something. But unfortunately, we have so many bad. Uh, uh, Experiences in the past, since we are we are five or six, we've been denied for summer camps because of money.、Uh, we had the terrible breakups because of money, and、uh, we've been scolded so many times about money by our parents. So we are terrified about money. So as much as we want money, we don't want money to be close to us. So this love and hate relationship really messes up our、uh, peace of mind. And also at the end of every month. We feel frustrated and agitated, and and get some people get depressed, or some people get too、uh, overexcited about money. Money is just neutral energy. So once you know that you need to take a look at your relationship, you know,、uh, right right in front of you. After that,、uh, you can tr- transform your life. I've done this for the past twenty years, and I've impacted millions of people's lives. And、uh, for the past three years, I've been doing this in Eng- English, and the, the effect is the same. It's the same in Azerbaijan, in Poland, and、uh, Finland, and France, and Italy, you know, U.S., Australia, and all the Arabic countries. China, the same, because the way we interact with money determines how we interact with life. So it's almost like a self-reflection of who you are. If we believe in, in Uh, bad world or a、uh, uh, cold world. World we think people are mean, people are not friendly, and then you experience that. If you think、uh, this world is full of great people and people will help you, and they're so uh, generous, uh, you know exp- you experience like that. So uh, my uh, I'm not talking about naive philosophy,、uh, but because people do only half. My national bestseller. That I saw about half a million copies is do what you love, but make sure money follows you. You know, 
people do the first half, you know, they play guitar, they do what they love, but they forget to make sure that money follows them. So unless you do this, the last part, you just, you're just a happy person, but without any money. So I'm just saying you can be happy and also you can have money. And that's kind of like going on in the conversation lately about companies um, doing good doesn't mean that you're being a nonprofit. You can be mm -hmm. doing good and still have employees and pay them and make money and, and you know, do give your contribution to a better society after, you know, I'm talking about environment and talking about governance and the famous uh, words that we all use nowadays in technology. But I'm kind of curious what you said that your for, I mean, your approach, I don't want to call it formula, but mm -hmm. your approach has been well received everywhere. Now, mm -hmm. I've been in Japan a couple of times. Mm -hmm. I love the culture. I find mm -hmm. it very different from the American culture or mm -hmm. any other culture. And, you know, I, I want to ask you a question, actually, in particular. Yes. Um, and so, number one, I'm kind of surprised that you would easily adopt it. And I'm wondering if you had to make any changes in the way you presented maybe different metaphors or, mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, it, a perspective that come from a different angle. Mm. The other one is when I was in Japan last uh, few months ago, I was in a in a temple in a in a in a, a Shinto uh, shrine, and mm -hmm. some people were washing money in a little waterfall. So I did yes. it too because I'm like, hey, I'm here. I'm <laughs> you know I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm going go, to put some you know I think four thousand yen or something under the water, and then I I noticed how they were cleaning it, and then somebody told me in English that you know it's a good auspice for yes welcoming the money. But I, I'm wondering, so is that part of the relationship that yes. the culture has? Yes. So I, I teach more Zen philosophy. So some of the ideas could be a little hard to understand for Westerners. So the, the thing they did is cleansing the money. Mm. You know, we feel like uh, bad energy comes with money because mm. a lot of people want money. It's a lot of greed. Mm. So by being purified with uh, water, just think about it in a Christian church too. Just if there is any fountain in the church, don't you think bad energy money would be cleared and cleansed with uh, you know, holy water? So that's the idea. So uh, we think uh, a lot of energy is around uh, coins and papers. Now, Ken, you even point out in the book that um, money is changing, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot, especially in now, many right. people in the younger generation don't actually have bills, rather just right. bills or coins. Mm -hmm. So how mm -hmm. does that change the baths then? Like, how do you, like, are you cleaning credit cards? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> you, what, like, what do you foresee? How yeah. do you so it's the same thing. You know, uh, my favorite questions uh, I keep, uh, I start asking people. And I talk to thousands of people all the time. So there are like, say, 2,000 people in front of me. And I ask people, what is money? You know, people think it's a simple question. And I say, how many people think this is money? I show the paper and coins and everybody raises hand, right? And how about the credit card? They're like, half the people said, is that money? Oh, no, no, no. It's just a plastic thing. And how about cryptocurrency? Is that money or not? And then people don't know if they should raise their hands. So we are so confused about money. You know, it's a credit card. It's not money. It's just a little thing, uh, credit that they everybody would believe that you pay next month, you know, and then so this is not money. So 
uh, a lot of young people are so confused as well. Uh, but in essence, energy is what is money. If you do what 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 you don't like and then bring in the money, the money uh, carries sad or uh, angry energy with the money. And if you do what you love and just help people, and the money comes in in in, in a in symbol of as a symbol of appreciation. Money comes in with us uh, uh, love and pure friendship money, which will uh, make you feel so good about it, about receiving. You you know in your heart. Just think about it. Uh, if you look at um, take a look at your money in your wallet, do you feel happy about it, or do you feel like squeezed or frustrated? Uh, it's because how you made money to begin with determines how you feel about money. So I have helped so many people and all my money comes through uh, money back guarantee system. So if uh, people don't like my services, they, get, they can get the money free. That means all the money I receive is as a, as a result of making somebody happy. So all the money I have in my bank account uh, is a result of making somebody happy. That means happy money. So if you feel like all the money you have is happy money, you can enjoy spending because it blesses other people. You know, in, in North America, what I love about tipping, you know, so I can tip strangers, which is okay. So I usually tip about 25%, 30%, sometimes 50%. And I've never seen any waiters and the cleaning person smile so much. It's only just not huge amount, but, you know, that big smile. They've never received so many big tips in their entire life for 20 years. You know, I can surprise somebody with only $10 or $20, sometimes $50. But I love just surprising people with my happy money. So if you uh, have more happy money, you can make people super happy. And you don't have to be a billionaire to do that. So to, to reconnect with, with the cultural difference, and you're already going huh? there with the experience that you may have in the U.S., um, mm -hmm. But I'm thinking, again, in other countries. But the, the thing is that I'm understanding is that you don't you really talk about a feeling, right? Yes. It's, so it does apply maybe differently in a social cultural context. Yes, but the does. human yes. feeling is the same. So that, that, is that the yes. key of being such a global, uniform, worldwide right. acceptance right. to the... Marco. I think it's because you come from a different culture, so you, you can appreciate as much as I do, right? So thank you for that. Uh, you know, I get sometimes uh, so curious about how people think of what I teach. And I wanted to be an anthropologist when I was in my college. So it just fascinates me. Uh, mm. The same thing. I talk about money container. You know, everybody is born with a certain size money container. When I talk about that, uh, American people and European people ask me, hey, Ken, how can I make my money container bigger? You know, they ask the same thing. On the other hand, Japanese people ask me, Ken, how can I satisfy myself with my container right now? So it's a different mm -hmm. approach. So even I talk about the same thing, people think I can make it bigger. How can I make it bigger? Or how can I make myself more satisfied, more fulfilling with the same size money container? It's a different approach. So I'm, I'm not judging, you know, one way or another, but a, a different approach. And I really uh, enjoy the difference. And I love that. So um, 
for those of you who want to make a money container bigger, it's very simple. You can give more. You, you, you give out more energy, you receive more energy. If you want to satisfy yourself with a, a money container, you uh, enjoy your life more in a deep way. So the depth of happiness will change the quality of the money. So even the same amount of money you earn, uh, the depth of happiness uh, gets bigger. And that's very related to what you talk about in terms of money EQ. Money yes. EQ. And can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about that in terms of the difference and the importance of like, right. money EQ? So, so in my accounting consulting days in my early 20s, I realized that, you know, I've, I've met many uh, financially savvy people. You know, some people, uh, some of my clients took them, took their companies to public and they, they become millionaires. Uh, and then uh, also in the process of 10 and 20 years, I've seen people go up and down uh, in so many times, you know, because of the dot bubble and then the burst of the bu dot, uh, bubble and the cryptocurrency bubble and then burst. And I've seen the most smart people like who start this, you know, uh, cryptocurrency he is on, in the process of losing everything, right? So even though you are so smart in money IQ, money intelligence, if you are messed up emotionally, which I call it money EQ, you could lose everything. So you have to have both money IQ, fi money financial intelligence, and also money emotional intelligence. If you have both, you can uh, build a strong foundation uh, of both uh, money IQ and money EQ. And if you have only one of the uh, the two, uh, your financial fortress is very, um, it is breakable. Now, you mentioned at the beginning that it's follow the Zen philosophy. Yes. And and I can definitely see that in you know, the giving and receiving and, and a few of the things you, you talked about. But I'm wondering if, is it enough to just make certain changes in the way you look at just the money mm -hmm. compartment of life or does it require some changes in other aspect of your life i mean it's hard to think that that's you know i just want more money and i'm going to pretend that i i care about everything else you know? <laughs> is it more of a profound approach to to this you know, it's it just same with life. You know, people have a deeper life, other people have a shallow life, and either way is fine. So um, it's up to you. If you want to have a more spiritually fulfilling life, you should pay more attention to energy side of money. If you're okay with only just materialistic stuff, you just um, just look at the money in, in numbers. Either way is fine. But uh, in terms of money EQ and IQ, uh, you should have both to have a uh, steady, uh, strong financial base. And uh, what's interesting is that, you know, I always, uh, people think um, when I get to know Ken or Ken's work, I just simply wanted to be rich. But after learning with him for a few years, I realized that's not enough. I want more uh, in a way that uh, spiritually enriches me. So people want uh, emotional abundance at the same time financial abundance, which both of which are very, very important. But unfortunately in North America and Europe, this invisible assets, I call it uh, emotional abundance, is not um, often uh, regarded as important things. 
but think about it. When you hear invisible assets, which is friendship, peace of mind, your uh, bonding connections, and a sense of community, is very important. But uh, it's so highly uh, depreciated by people. You know, I think in 20 years from now, people will appreciate more of invisible assets than visible assets. I think it's going to happen in about next five years or so. Uh, because they'll lose a lot of visible assets in terms of numbers. So they'll beginning, they'll be uh, looking at more of invisible assets that they have, they forgot to appreciate. So instead of just going on expensive vacations, you know, they can take a walk, they can go to a park in a nearby, um, on foot, um, with only like four, three or four of you, you know, family, make a sandwich or something. You can be as happy as somebody fly all the way to exotic islands and then spend thousands of dollars. So now you know that invisible asset, it doesn't cost you anything. And if you know that, you know, you don't have to compare with other people, like your neighbor went to Hawaii or like exotic places, but I didn't, you know, you don't have to compare with anybody at all. Yeah. And you do that so beautifully in the book in terms of talking about, again, one's relationship with self and also defining, well, what is happiness and and what is making people happy? And, you know, you mentioned what you think is going to happen in five years, 20 years. Maybe you can talk a little bit more. I know you addressed this in your last chapter about Mm -hmm. what do you think uh, you have some ideas about AI? And I know, you know, you're you're not the AI expert, but you have some really interesting perspective on AI and money. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, and AI and other computers, uh, um, they are going to replace a lot of our work. And then don't get scared, <laughs> you know. Uh, it, they'll just uh, get rid of our manual labor type of thing. You know, just uh, we, we, we used to wash our clothes by hands and, 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 and a lot of other things. But now uh, vacuum cleaners do it and, and there's this, you know, little guy who just uh, walks around at night and just, uh, you know, clean the whole floor. So AI will probably act the same, similar ways. They will get rid of all the um, manual type of work. And then uh, we're going to experience the hardships for the next few years. But after the, the economic collapse of some kind, uh, we're going to um, come up with a, a more fair system that everybody appreciates one another. And I think there will be a basic income of some some sort, so we don't have to work uh, for the sake of living. So uh, because uh, there will be a technology to grow food without much cost. So for survival, for own survival, it's not going to cost much. So if that happens, we can focus on more important things in life, which will be art, music, and all the other creative work, uh, activities. So I think we'll be free from uh, uh, more manual labors. And uh, for the sake of survival, uh, it will be guaranteed globally, wherever you are, which nations you, you're born into, I think a basic survival will be guaranteed. But I think a lot of people will get bored. So they'll do something. You know, I retired for four years and I got super bored. And so I started writing. So people will start something creative with their time and, and their gifts. And we will appreciate one another um, uh, for their acting skills or, 
singing or cooking or whatever that is. So the basic uh, needs will be met by global income system. And then after that, if you want to work and do something more for other people, you get more money so you can get to trouble. So if you want to receive more, you do a little work, but by doing what you love. So in a five years or so, we're going to experience a totally different world. That's uh, my vision. Very utopian. I could go dystopian here, but I'm not going to. But I'm going to stick with that. I want to know what you think about this parallel I run in my, in my head, because one of my uh, things that I do, I, I talk about AI and I, in relation with society. So what you described, it's beautiful. Right? And I think that you come from a, a perspective. I'm going to use this word once in a while just to remember the, <laughs> remind the title of the show. Where you look at AI as, as a tool uh-huh. to achieve something is not the goal. Mm-hmm. And I'm running the same parallel with the way that you present money. Money is not the goal. Money mm-hmm. is the tool to buy yourself what makes you happy or do things that involve money, but because the ultimate goal is happiness, well-being, your own, your society, your community. So AI can be treated as a, as a foe and a villain, or it could mm-hmm. be created consider it as an ally to free ourselves, as you describe. Mm-hmm. So do you see that as well, that, that the parallel in terms of money can be anything, depends what we do with it? It's a tool. It's like a knife. You know, you can cut yourself, you can stop people. AI is the same thing. So if you're in the wrong hands, I think it's going to be, you know, bad for people. So uh, once again, uh, you know, I shared a part of my positive vision, of course, I have a uh, negative vision. So uh, either one um, could happen. It's up to us. So if you show um, you know, the, the best part of ourselves from now on, I think there will be a brighter future. If we feel like uh, you know, there's not enough, this is my money, this is my food, there will be a lot of starvation. So it's in our hearts, it's in our hearts, and it's in our hands, the AI, the money, that all the other things, the weapons, the same thing, you know, is it going to uh, impact in a positive way, negative way? I think it's in everyone's uh, mind. Uh, and I have a, a strong hope because we've, ne- we've never been connected uh, this deep and this fast uh, in history of humankind. And so uh, I think about it. Um, Ten years ago, this was like a dream, you know, maybe like a president of uh certain countries could have done it but like everybody like us can do, use this technology and then uh, about 70 80 years ago my fathers or grandfathers could have fought against your grandfathers right so um and this is uh, changing the whole thing so uh once again it's in our hands and you don't have to wait for the society to become that way you know i have achieved financial independence on my own uh, because I believe ge- more generosity will just uh, bring money in. And I have impacted so many people personally. I have changed hundreds of thousands of people um, for the past 20 years. And they're achieving much more fulfilling life. So you can do it on your personal level. Don't wait for the government to, do, to give you the basic income. You know, you can start your own. So, and, you um, do, yeah. and you also yes. explore that in terms of the way people feel 
about themselves given what they were taught, uh, their money story. I wanted to ask you though, you know, when, because it is a very positive, everything that you recommend, um, you know, that I heard in the book is really all about being positive, generosity, a lot of gratitude, I know is a main theme for you. How, mm -hmm. and I wonder if you have any suggestions for this. We know that there are a lot of people who have a lot of money, a lot of access, mm -hmm. a lot of power mm -hmm. in different ways, who believe in greed, right? Mm -hmm. Who practice a lot of greed. So what, do you have any suggestions for how people can deal with, let's say for someone like me, I'm, I'm working on myself, my relationship with money, it's changed. Um, but yet, you know, people talk about how, okay, so how do we deal with the people who aren't interested in changing, who are still, the, you know, head of companies, head of countries, who mm -hmm. aren't on the same uh, bandwagon as us, right? Don't believe mm -hmm. in this, don't want to change. And how do you, yeah. then, do you deal with that within your own world? Yeah, I think it's uh, the same with uh, a discrimination. If uh, like older generation, not probably not our generation as much, but you know the old people in their seventies and eighties, they cannot change. Unfortunately, you know the idea about the racism and and also the the thing about money and the hierarchy, or maybe against women or LGBT people. You know, I I don't think I can change them. You know, so I just wait until they drop. So I uh, and the younger people don't have the same prejudice. So I think we need to evolve. So I let those people uh, kind of go to the uh, you know transition to the next level, and then uh, we'll just um, stick together. And then um, you have to know you can only change yourself. So uh, uh, greedy people cannot be as happy as generous people. You know statistics show that. So if you have a personal choice, do you want to choose a path of greed? or path of generosity. It's a personal path. You cannot change, we can teach people uh, how to be more generous. You know, it's the same thing with a partnership. You cannot change your partner. <laughs> you know, uh, right. yeah. yeah, give it a try. It's gonna make you more miserable. And uh, uh, you cannot change your kids, you know, they're uh, on their own. So you can change um, only you. So you have to, um, you know, remember the uh, serenity prayer, you know, um, yeah. if you want to, there are certain things you can change and there are certain things you cannot change and changing yourself is in your hands and changing your financial uh, well-being also is in your hands. And as yeah. long as you know, you know what to do. And again, I think it's, you know, what your book does and your work it really isn't, it is about money, but for me, it's also just not about money. As you said, it changes everybody's life. You're looking at it through the perspective of money. That's one mm -hmm. aspect, but in what you bring in your tools and, and uh, it really does change, can change someone. You know, Marco, I was just thinking it would be interesting to have this topic again after you read the book or listen to the book to see how things have changed. Because again, you know, I personally have done a lot of work on myself in relationship with money. I do this work with many people um, in mm -hmm. terms of changing their relationship with money. And you've added so many interesting things in this book, you know, the whole looking at it through different lenses. And um, it just takes it even, even to a different perspective. So I, I want to thank you for this work. Um, 
you know, it's really, it's, it's really so important. You know, one of my goals is to spread kindness and this book definitely does that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm here again. I'm not here to change people, change you. I'm just uh, showing you directions. Um, uh, My students just once said, Every intersection of my life, there is Ken Honda's book. And so I'm, I'm at the intersection, you know, I'm not set telling you what, where to go. So this is like unhappiness. This is happiness. Which one do you want to choose? Well, that's, that's what I love about it. You, what the book does, if people are really reading it or listening to it, it it's going to make them think about themselves. And that's what I'm mm-hmm. all about. It's going to lead them to be open to just examine themselves. And that's all we can do, right, is examine ourselves and yes. change yes. ourselves. Yeah. So either way, I'm yes. happy for your choice. And I'm, I'm just sending you all my love and uh, friendship to all, all, both of you and all the viewers. That's all I can do. And I'm very happy that I can do that well, at this and- time. And we're very happy that you share this uh, this time with us. Uh, Thank you. I I I definitely been going on in my head, connecting with other thing about the mm-hmm. Zen philosophy, as I mentioned during the conversation. And uh, so, uh, I, yeah, Susan, I'll definitely read the book. It's in line. It's in the queue of the, the, the other was. And and then maybe we go back, me and you, and talk about it, or maybe Ken can come back too if yeah. he wishes, and. Uh, We'll have uh, links to your book, of course, and we know you have an Arigato community, so Thank people you. can learn about that, and uh, mm-hmm. it will be in the notes of the shows of uh, Perspective. So we, we want to invite everybody to stay tuned for the next episode. It's going to be another interesting conversation with a book author as well. And um, what to say? Arigato gozaimasu. Okurate. I'm so grateful. Thank you so Thank much. you so much. And a lot of gratitude. Thank you for your work and for sharing it with, with us and the world. A lot of gratitude. And thank you, Marco. And thank you to all the listeners out there. We'd love to get your feedback. Uh, what did you think about today's episode and conversation? If you have any thoughts, uh, we'd love to hear them. Any recommendations for future discussions? We're here to listen. And just a lot of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. And a congratulations on the okay. beautiful launch of a new programs. Thank, Thank you very much. We'll share Bye. with you and with Thank everybody you. that is in Thursday. Thank you very much. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Perspectives Podcast with Dr. Susan and Marco, part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine podcast network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit ITSBMagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.